Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Gojo. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today we are going to talk about what we've been watching. We're going to get into the news that the new Star Wars films that are between the episodes will be origin movies. And then uh, we're going to follow it up with a little feedback. We don't have a full review for you this week because scheduling didn't allow and crazy stuff happened. Not really. It's actually, <clears throat> well, see, now I can't be on the podcast without having seen the film we're reviewing. So that's, that's true. Yeah. We knew Gojo was twist. coming, so we were yeah. like, let's not review a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart call. I have, I have seen the not movie, so. Yes. Yeah, Good. I can comment Good. on the not movie. All right. Um, so, what we've been watching. Um, I'm going to throw to Gojo. All right. What well, have you been watching? Uh, mostly I've been playing Skyrim for uh, every single free second I have. Um, of course. Yeah, because that's not an old game or anything. <laughs> um, but as far as actual, uh, like, watching things, I watched season two of Sherlock, uh, okay. which I, I'd only seen the first episode. Um, and that's really good. And I then, have yeah, not I seen the, the final episode yet. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to talk about You're the gonna final episode. You're going to spoil everything. I'll try to talk about it without... Well, no, I can't actually talk about it without spoiling it. So, I'm sorry. Alex, don't listen to this part of the podcast. No! <laughs> uh, it's how, just... how do I skip ahead in real life? <laughs> Punch you I, in the temple until you faint. I was, I, I was mildly disappointed. Um, yeah, uh, I, can't, I can't really... Okay, yeah. That well, sucks. Um, it was not, not, it, not that it was bad quality or anything, just... It um, went in a direction that... No, the because uh, the last episode is basically the showdown with Sherlock and Moriarty. Okay. And, um, well, I'm just going to say it. Sherlock really didn't put up much of a fight, I thought. Okay. He he just got worked over. Um, and and I, I never really felt like at any point he had, he had actually, he was even competing. It was, he was just, yeah, he got, Moriarty ran train on him, you could say. Interesting. Uh, if he was from the hood. Um, and it was entertaining. It was a, it was a great episode, but I just, I was, yeah, I was kind of taken aback by that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Willie, what have you been watching? Episode ruined. <laughs> ruined. Episode. Ruined. Um, I had a, I had an adventure view, which is, which is <laughs> where you watch something in complete and utter like immersiveness with the, with the film universe that you're you're watching. Is this a new company you're starting, really? Yes, Adventure Film. <laughs> where we'll do things like we'll go see Point Break and then we'll surf like while we're seeing Point Now. Um, <laughs> that'd be kind of fun, actually. We should do that on the podcast. <laughs> no, um, I mean, it was it was like... I, the only thing I can liken it to was when the time we went and saw uh, Fast and the Furious 6 and we all had Coronas afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we were kind of like... That we was were, beautiful. What about when we went and saw Riddick and we all had Space Coronas? Yeah, afterward. that would that would be absolutely. Yeah. Um. This was uh, I was uh, this weekend. I was at a summer camp for a retreat for uh, staff, and we watched, got a projector out and watched uh, Friday the Thirteenth at the summer camp on Friday the Thirteenth. So it, it, that was pretty perfect. All the stars aligned for that, and that was a lot of fun. It was just <laughs> I've seen that movie so many times now, and and it's. There really aren't any surprises left, obviously. Um, I still like the movie, and but I'm not particularly creeped out by it or anything like I was when I was a kid. But it was actually kind of creepy this time around because it was like you were out, you were there. Yeah, because you're sitting in a cat like in a, in a surrounded by cabins right next to a lake, and like it looks kind of like what you're watching on screen. And I had to sleep on a bed very similar to what Kevin Bacon was <laughs> laying on, and it like like there are the, you felt like a little kid again. Like there's these thoughts of like. I, I literally, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I like looked under the bed before I went to sleep. That equates back to my comment about The Ring last week and how I didn't want static on TVs uh, anymore. Yes, uh. and it, it totally, this was, it was so much fun. Like, I got, when I heard that we were doing this, I got so psyched. So I, I totally, like, I want to keep doing stuff like this. I don't know how feasible it is, but I don't know, like adventure view things, you know? Like, travel back to the 1940s and watch Captain America. Yeah, no, yeah, like like go to go to Normandy Beach and watch Saving Private Ryan. Go to yeah, you know. <laughs> Isla Nublar and watch Jurassic yes, Park. Yes, things like that. Okay. Those are the things I want to do. No, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then I I've, I've been watching Once Upon a Time season two, and uh, I like it. It's it it falls into some of the traps that network TV shows fall into. Um, it 
it does wrap up storylines like in a timely fashion, which is a nice change of pace from a lot of shows that are that a lot of TV dramas. But like it, um, it tries like there's too much padding and too much filler being thrown in there. That's my main complaint about the show. That and like casting characters like Captain Hook so overly like sex appealed, <laughs> like to the point where it's like, come on, like. I don't mind Captain Hook not, like, it doesn't need to be, like, an ugly dude, but, like, seriously, this guy's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he's a good actor, but he just doesn't fit the role. I don't know. And, yeah, that's been fun, so. I haven't watched a, I haven't marathon a TV show in a while, so that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Is I was Tron part of show yet? Not yet, no. Not then yet. I won't watch. I, I wouldn't doubt that it will be. Um, no, I, uh, it's always fun to see, like, that they find cool ways to... To kind of organically weave in the different fairy tale characters, like their back, their backstories and stuff like that. It's, it's mm. kind of fun, like to see, like okay, how do you link up, like I don't know, Peter Pan with uh, Rumble Stiltskin, and they find ways to do it, which is kind of neat. That's cool. Um, plus Robert Carlyle, so there's that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I enjoy the show. I think anybody who's into like anybody who enjoyed Lost, I'm not saying that this is by any means as good as Lost because I don't think it is, but I think that it, there's a similar vibe to this show. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? Well, I'm uh, deep in the middle of a huge Daredevil kick, reading the comics and stuff. So I decided to mm. watch Daredevil, the director's cut, again. This is, this is on that list of movies like Constantine and Chronicles <laughs> of Riddick that I just watch, usually once a year, and think, maybe this time. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> One of which you were like, yes, this time, and the other of which true. you were like, no, this time. Yeah, I actually like Chronicles of Riddick less watching it with you guys. Yeah. I like Constantine a lot more with you, watching it with you, Alex. So, um, Daredevil, the director's cut, is such an interesting movie because it's right at that, right at the birth of the superhero movie, and it's such a weird choice of, let's get this movie made. Yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty bad for a lot of it, but there there are parts of it that are that are good and there are parts of it that are really good it's just it's such an What's interesting movie timeline like was it this is post spider-man one x-men is 99 spider-man one is 2000. like 2000 this is 2002 okay where was Tran- uh fantastic four was like oh three that oh five uh, yeah it was a couple oh, years the first one was oh five yeah. yeah and the second wow. one was oh seven i think wow okay and x and spider-man two was oh four so two years after Angley's Hulk was 03. Mm-hmm. Now, can just out of curiosity, can you give us an example of that? Like something that just awful from it, and then a couple things that are like actually pretty solid. Oh, I'm trying to lock down this timeline. Just quick. curious no. to see. What you <laughs> the first X Men was actually 2000. 2000, and then Spider Man I think was 2001. Mm, okay. That makes sense. 2002 was Spider Man one. Interesting. Okay. And then 04, and then 07. Um, you know, pretty much everything of Daredevil is bad, <laughs> but okay. pretty much everything of Matt Murdock is pretty good. Okay, so like any of the courtroom stuff is actually pretty. The solid. courtroom stuff is all pretty good. Will like history the- repeat itself with everything with Bruce Wayne being good or bad, and everything with Batman being good or you know bad? What would be awesome know. is if Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent have a like a fight on a playground. Yeah, I would just. Oh my god, I can't. I yeah, would they love fight to see that. on swing sets yeah. and seesaw. That's the other. That's the other problem is the movies pretty unbalanced like it, it can't decide how dark it wants to make Matt Murdock slash Daredevil or how lighthearted. like if it had picked one I would have been like the playground scene honestly if the whole movie was kind of fun it probably wouldn't feel so out of place but Daredevil is so brooding at the beginning of the movie and he's so brooding in the middle slash end and it's just it's very unbalanced with how they want the character to go but some of the design is really cool a lot of the action is actually really good Colin Farrell is amazing as Bullseye. I don't think anyone will really disagrees. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's so good. My Clark Duncan's okay. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. Uh, Favreau's, Favreau's awesome. Pee, baby. Yeah. Favreau's really good as Foggy. Um, so is Ben Ur- uh, Pan- Yeah, Joey, Joey Pants, Pants is, yeah. as Ben Urich is, is pretty good. Joey Pants. It's just so... It's Affleck is such a strange choice. I'm still not even sure even then what they were thinking. He's just not good. I watched the trailer for Runner Runner, and I'm just like, mm, uh, for Batman, but I still I, don't see it. I'm I think he's a better it. pick for Batman than Daredevil. You think so? Yeah. Daredevil's just not... Uh, I, don't know. I don't see Lawyer when I look at Benny Affleck. 
Definitely not 2000 he's really, whatever. I, I see Ben Affleck when I look at him. He's <laughs> yeah. one of those actors. Like he, well, he, him, him and Matt Damon, I can't see anything else when I'm yeah. looking at those guys. I see it's, Matt Damon yeah. when I look at Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of... Willie, in, you have a problem. <laughs> in, in Daredevil, there's a lot of just hilarious... Like If we watched it now, if we ever talked at length about what the superhero genre has become its own genre, not just a movie, Daredevil's one of those ones that suffers from being like just caught in that awkward phase of, like, what do we do with this superhero? Do we make it... There are just so, so many scenes where he looks really derpy because his hair is, like, overly... Just like Yeah, exactly. And they, and they try to make him a redhead, which is really... There's, like, shitty red hair dye in, like, yeah. his, in, like his dark brown hair. But he's Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, no, it seriously looks terrible. And then, like, <laughs> weird eye, eye... Like, I remember weird contact lenses on Jennifer Garner to make her eyes, like... Yeah, and it's, oh, it's yeah. at that phase where they're trying... They, they're not okay with, with just accepting, like, maybe Daredevil can have brown hair and that's fine. And there's so much fan service, it makes you want to barf. Like, every character in this movie that's not Matt Murdock or, like, the immediate people around him are named after a Daredevil artist or writer. Like, to the point where it's just f- absolutely ridiculous. Like, a bad guy is, is named Casada. there's someone named Ramita... There's Bendis. Kirby, there's Bendis, there's That's Miller. That's terrible. Yeah, it's every bad. every side, every little supporting character that shows up, he's like, Ooh. "We got a tip from Bendis that Kirby is." Uh, you know, and it's just so dumb sounding, but I'm I'm listening to it. and I'm just like, "Oh god, this is so goofy." But there are, there are parts that are cool. The radar sense is really really cool. It's done really really well. Um, and a lot of the action, the hand-to-hand stuff is, is pretty good, but it's... How about that Evanescence, pal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the source music is really good. Yeah, I was, was going to say, it was Tim Long there to give you a source music. No, out. I wish he had been. <laughs> the other thing that's really good is... Uh, who's seen it? I think we watched the Rift Tracks. Yeah. Have you ever seen it in any I have form? never seen that. Okay. Dare I know, I know Willie has it. Cause did I br- we watch the Rift Tracks, or did we just make fun of no, it ourselves? No, we watched the Rift Tracks. <laughs> Because I remember when Ele- when they introduced Electra Nachos, they're like electric nachos. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Genius. The part, everything of him as a kid is actually pretty really good, especially the stuff with his dad is actually really good. Um, I remember really liking that, and I was like, you know, I don't mind watching this origin because it's actually done pretty well. And Daredevil's got a really good origin, so it's. It's one of those movies that I always... I'll, and you know what? I'll keep watching it. I know next year I'll watch it again, and I'll and I'll think something different of it. So it's so weird that I'm... You know, as the further we get from it and from that era, it's more and more interesting to watch, I think. I can't say I'll go back and watch Ghost Rider ever. Oh. With a, uh, with a critical, more critical eye. That was just a mistake. I never saw that one either. Don't. So. There's no. something, yeah. There's something interesting. Plus, no the D- Daredevil theatrical versus director's cut is a really interesting... Uh, comparison because the director's cut has a, a huge subplot that takes up like 35 minutes of the movie that's just not in the theatrical one. It's actually really good. It makes yeah, the movie I, a lot I better. I think we watched the theatrical one for the for, for the riff tracks, tracks and yeah. it was it was miserable. I hated bad. it. It was awful. Yeah, you should director. go back and watch the Man Thing Sci-Fi Channel original movie. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> like we'll make this into a little mini thesis of just like superhero movies before. Like what? What's the? What do you think is the first superhero movie that really got it right? Like, or when did superheroes as a genre hit its stride? As a genre, probably Iron Man, or either Iron Man, Batman, Batman or Begins. Batman Begins or Iron Man. Like Batman, Batman two thousand. Batman Begins is yeah. Those those I think those two that because was, they 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 represent two the two ends of the spectrum that we're on right now. I think they're it, so vastly yeah. different from each other, but they're well, so. Spider-Man 2 is a maybe for me. Yeah. I, I think I, there were high points before. I th- Like Spider-Man 2, X-Men 2. Yeah, not I think to say anything that things that came before weren't good. They it's weren't just, all trash, but they, they still don't feel they, like where we're at now. Yeah, That's they, true. It went from... It, there was a kind of a hard-to-define, for me anyway, a, a, a leap between comic book movie and superhero movie. Um I, I can't really tell you what the difference is, so I guess it's not really a scientific measure. But you can you kind of know it when you like you know when you're watching Spider-Man One, you're watching a comic book movie. As good as it is, it you know it, this feels like somebody's trying to make a comic book on a you know yeah it's on less film. it's less of an adaptation and more of a like a direct transfer almost, yeah yeah it's, or an attempted direct yeah transfer. they're trying to they're trying to put. When when you try to put what's in a comic book onto a screen instead of being putting what's on the screen, making it inspired by 
and following the rules of the comic sure, book. Yeah. I, you know, that's not really... No, yeah. I got you, though. I but. think that's kind of the mark of comic book movies or superhero movies, whichever, that end up doing better are the ones that aren't as afraid to step away from the conventions of the source material. Like, in a small way, like X-Men, they were like, you know what? Hugh Jackman's going to make a great Wolverine. We're going to pick him, despite the fact that he's tall and he doesn't fit that that image of Wolverine. He's we're going to take ugly, this yeah. chance. <laughs> He's yeah. not the most loathsome guy. <laughs> yeah, and and you know <laughs> he's it, not a frightening little imp. Yeah, <laughs> I think Spider Man, Spider Man, kind of succeeded in spite of that. Like it still, it still was, it still felt a lot like direct transfer. Like we need to keep these things perfect, otherwise the fanboys are gonna yeah. nerd rage. And then like when you start, you can, like as you keep going on and like just realize, like when they started realizing, oh, audiences will still buy this, and we can make this into a legitimate story, and that's kind of part of the evolution there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if when you said that, it made me think that fanboys back when Spider-Man One came out, fanboys were probably not a concern. Like I almost think the opposite is true now. Like now the expectations I think have been raised. To a level where fanboys are kind of getting used to the idea that they're going to get to see these movies, and there's a sense of like entitlement, like we well, want to see this, we want to see that. I Back think, then, I think people were like, "Oh my god, there's a Spider-Man movie. That's awesome." I think, yeah, you've but, got, and they didn't got know, a, they didn't I know think, the measure. I think the 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 nerd fanboy, the well, comic book fanboy crowd, <clears throat> I think they realize now this is a this is a bankable. Um, it's a bankable demographic, and but I so now they're paying more attention to it, maybe. What makes me think the other way is that the reason that they would make a Spider-Man movie is because there's a built-in audience, and they don't want to piss off that audience because they want them to come. Like, I mean, there were, there were issues, I mean, even back, I remember back, back when SuperheroHype.com was SpiderManHype.com, like, before it became <laughs> SuperheroHype.com, and, God, I'm old, and, uh... I remember people flipping out because of organic web shooters, like going ape, and like people flipping out because Tobey Maguire was playing Spider-Man. And that's been going on forever. I mean, I, I don't. I think now they just. I think now with Marvel because it's in house, and I think where DC's starting to head is. I just don't think they're afraid of. I don't think they're afraid of making of making superhero films. I think, I think there was a fear there before, and I think that's what led to things like. All the black, boring black suits in the X Men movies, and I mean, not that that ruined the movies; it didn't. But I'm no. just saying there, there were th- those are the little elements that, when added up, make those movies feel like the older generation of comic yeah, book movies. It's true. Even the, look at the Daredevil costume and like, yeah, which is really bad. That feels like a product of this is going to look. Dumb. I'm not saying that you want a guy in red tights, but now we know there's a there's a way to to blend. Yes, this is a film, and we have to appeal to a large audience, but we don't have to be afraid of the fact that we're a comic book movie. I mean, if you had like, they would have been terrified to make a movie like Avengers back when, yeah. not just because of the scope of it, but because if you look at like the Avengers movie, it's it's so unafraid of being what it is. Like, yeah. it's got aliens from space being piloted, being controlled by a god with a staff that's working for another alien, <laughs> and there's giant snake robots like. And which nobody cares. It's because like in the nineties totally they made Spawn. It. Yeah, which didn't do that. Like, well, why did sense. they make Spawn? Yeah. <laughs> because they saw John Logazamo and were like, "We need to make this movie." Yeah, there was a big John, Todd McFarlane movie. Push do you in want to be? That definitely led to yeah, that. definitely. It's just I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it was back when John Logazamo had all that studio power. He was like, "Guys, I really need to be the clown." <laughs> that was my it. dream role coming off of the. You know, I watched the tra- Fu. Yeah. I watched the trailer for Spawn a couple days ago. Like, I don't remember what prompted it, but I was like, "I'm gonna watch the theatrical trailer for Spawn." And it's so funny. It's so just late nineties out, and oh god, it's we should watch it sometime. But like, was I just was sitting? I don't my, watch trailers. I don't want to be spawned. <laughs> I, I saw Spawn. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I watched it on TV. Um, and I, I remember Leguizamo was just what the hell. <laughs> He goes for it, like he goes yeah. full Langella. That's a, that's an absolute Langella to the to the max. It is, but it's so and the makeup is really good. Like mm-hmm. you would not know it's John Leguizamo. But is it's it Martin just, Sheen in that movie? Yeah, he's the bad guy. That's awesome. Oh, he's man. the bearded like evil CEO who has like hilarious like DOS monitors in his wall and he's like <laughs> get spawned. That's amazing. It's really CD colon backslash. <laughs> it's really it's really funny but I, I i was just thinking about i'm glad that this kind of spun out because uh i was thinking about earlier today how there's these generations that have 
genres just form and they're lasting genres in film and like this is kind of our generation's genre it is just absolutely unknowingly has just become a thing Without and, and, and every year people always ask is the superhero genre close to fizzling out yet has the bubble popped yeah like... and every year i'm still not i'm still not convinced it's not going to no I... it's gonna be a genre it's not it's beyond a trend now it's i still think it could implode I don't think once, it's ever going once to. Once source material starts to run dry, like once everybody's seen... I think it'll be a while. I think we're another at least five, ten years out. But I really... I just don't know if I see it 20, 30 years from now. There's still being superhero movies. The, the, I think the the more the more uh, poignant point would be... Can they, can they make a line of films that continues kind of a singular universe? Because that's the direction we're heading now. How long can you do that? Yeah. Um... And if if they can if they can stretch that out for decades, then that could bode well for other genres. Too. How long is it going to be until they're like, we need to go back to Iron Man? Like we need, need a reboot. Yeah, yeah. Like I wonder if it'll take root so heavily that this is this is obviously kind of a ludicrous comparison. But if like Avengers will become like Shakespeare, where like it's a career thing to play Thor at some point. You know what I mean? Or to yeah. play that character if it becomes like a thing. Hulk has almost kind of become that at this point. Yeah, true. <laughs> Some of the best actors of their generation have all played The, the thing that's just so unfortunate is that there, there's so much unmined gold out there and they're just not going for it or they're dragging their feet. Like, like Ant-Man is just such a good example. It took forever. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because now the timing is right. If we had gotten an Ant-Man five years ago, it probably wouldn't be very good. It would good. have been Daredevil. Sure. Um... But it's just, it's weird. I think we're getting to the point now where I'd like to see a more rapid acceleration of, you know, let's start planning more and doing more, executing more. I think it's all there. But it's hard because, I mean, Marvel's kicking out two movies a year. Like, Marvel Studios. Not that Disney doesn't have the power to do that, but they're kind of meeting this weird balance between, like, yeah, we need to do sequels because sequels are profitable, and then, yes, we need to break into new things to kind of diversify... They're kind of like, they had to find that balance, and now they're kind of, I think they're getting their footing. You're, I think and you're going to start seeing that in Phase 3. I think that that's going to be a big, a big, like, they've already said they have the plans out. We talked about this to, like, mm-hmm. 20 well, just, And you gotta, you got to be careful that you're not flooding the market with these things, too. It's not like, well, here's all these great ideas we have. Let's just yeah, throw them all into true. next year. Um, so I, I like that they're taking a very measured approach, and it looks, it sounds like they've, they're, they're planning for sustainability. In their, uh, in their yeah, in their business model here, and that's it's, it's smart. I mean, yeah. I, I can honestly see the next wave of Marvel movies being some of the lower tiered Marvel Knights characters, and they, because they've made announcements, Punisher's back, Ghost Rider's back, Blade's back. They want to make Doctor Strange, Daredevil's back. These are all characters that fall in that very similar, you know what I mean? That very similar wheelhouse where they could make an Avengers style crossover thing <laughs> with, with just even them. lower tier characters, Street level heroes, and I'm. I think that that's where they're going to go with it. I don't know, but I, I kind of hope they well, do. And, and then you don't you don't run into the problem of how do we top uh, of how do we top Avengers? How do we top Avengers two? Because now you're operating on a you're operating on a totally different plane of existence. Really, yeah, you absolutely. Got, if you have street level heroes, you don't have to worry about how are we going to top the alien invasion plus killing right. robots plus and making people understand yeah. that. Like if you can bring yeah. people in at like this is a Punisher movie. There's not going to be aliens. We're not going to have gods running around. This is what right. the Punisher does here. Like, it'll this be interesting just, to see yeah. how they can pull off like making these kind of ancillary movies that could still be in that universe. Yeah. But yet, just take place on a totally different scale. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've always, I've always wanted to see a, a Marvel Knights, the kind, the same kind of thing they did with Avengers, where. Each one got their individual movies, or in the mm-hmm. case of Luke Cage and Iron, Iron Fist, maybe like a combo movie. And yes. then the <laughs> the Kingpin was kind of pulling the strings, maybe mm-hmm. over the course of those movies. And I just want to see like that that movie where they team up, whether you call it Marvel Knights or if you rename, recoin them the Defenders, or you recoin them whatever. Making a movie where the like like the Raid, but with mm-hmm. superheroes. I was like just I was going to say that like Dread. I, I want to see a movie with. Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Daredevil and Punisher and Moon Knight. up on the Kingpin. And yeah. Shang-Chi. Like, I want to see them, like, kung fuing their way to the top of Wilson Visk's tower. And I like, imagine if they got please. back Spider-Man for that, too. You could throw him into the mix. I'd be so down. You know, I, I would be totally down. So. All right. 
I think we're going to rein this conversation. I let it go a little bit because I'm worried we're not going to last. That's horrible. We're not going to have that much time. Or, anyway. That much. Yeah. Um, did you see anything else, Nick? That you, <laughs> what else have you been watching? Uh, I just think we should take Cheers. The obligatory. Yes, I have been watching Cheers. I got him booked on Cheers. I'm on season three now. Yeah, no, it's your guys' turn. Um, Sounds like a twelve-step process. I'm on season three now. I'm on se- yeah, well, there's like twelve seasons. <laughs> yeah, now, so. yeah. I actually jumped way ahead and watched like a late season one, and I did not like it. Like, I I I, I have a feeling that you're going to have to kind of ease into the Woody Harrelson and and Kirstie Alley. Characters. It's not even so much that it's it's it was shocking because they're also old. Like I was like Ted Danson looks like he's fifty. Like, and oh, it, that's so weird for that character. It's he just, doesn't look like Mayday Malone anymore. No. Oh. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm watching Cheers, but I think I was just going to say, Alex, we should take the obligatory two minutes to talk about how much we're loving Breaking Bad. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> and everything about it. The show is going out on top. Like, I think it's poised to be the best show ever made. Like, truthfully. I, I, I need that. to finish my watch of The Wire so I can still say that Breaking Bad is the best TV show ever. <laughs> I think I think it's it's probably hands down the best the best dramatic show that's ever been made because it never... Pokemon first season. Yeah, I gotta agree. There's nothing. There's nothing that's ever been. Dude. There's nothing that's ever been bad about Breaking Bad. Like I, I have no real complaints about anything. The there's show like there's complaints, but they're complaints that you wouldn't have about any other show that does it because the show is so good. That well, you every other show like, I love, there's usually like one big glaring thing where I'm like, this kind of sucks, or that cast member sucked, or that character sucked. Like I, I love Lost, but there are some things that I admit flat out suck. But there's nothing about Breaking Bad that sucks. It's weird. We'll I'm, see. I'm waiting for it. To two happen. more episodes. And, yeah, they have they have so so close. They have less than they have two hours to go, yeah. and it will go out as perfect television. You know the episode where Ash lets Butterfree go. <laughs> um, oh my, Butterfree! It finds finds his mate, and they're flying off into the distance, and you never see Butterfree again. I swear to God, I tear up every time, <laughs> every damn time. It is the it's most emotional. <laughs> Emotional thirty seconds of 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 <laughs> animated fictional no of Japan of media. <laughs> of, there there were multiple of instances life. of life. Yes, no. Or, the only thing that's the only thing that's more emotional is when Mewtwo turns Ash into stone and Pikachu's tears uh, act like a soft and depetrify him. That I I saw that in a Sam's Club when I was like like thirteen and I was openly weeping in the in the store. <laughs> Oh man! Perfect setting. Oh God, Pokemon! I love you. What's happening? Right <laughs> um, All right, Alex, save the day here. Yeah, I'm done. So I, speaking of last week's conversation about uh, genres we want to get more into, I watched Insidious and Insidious Chapter Two. Um, the movie we were supposed to watch. <laughs> Whoops! The movie you guys didn't see. Um, I'm sorry, audience, I tried. But, um, <laughs> I was busy working the whole damn time. So. <laughs> this is your real work, Nick. All that money that I give you to go watch movies and then talk about them. Yeah. Um, Am I on the payroll? Yes. Insidious was good. I like James Wan. I think he's very interesting. Um, just from, like, after seeing The Conjuring and then watching Insidious, it's... It's cool to see his. He definitely has kind of a feel to like. There, there's a like James Wan movie makes sense to me now, and um, just like a lot, a lot of the the uh, just the camera movement and the way that he like everything feels weirdly like you're kind of he he does a good job of putting you in that world and then sometimes taking you out of it too like when he wherever he puts you where he wants you to be when it comes to like moving the camera around and there's a real sense of director has control of this movie with yes him. i've noticed that and he feels like he's a director who watches movies oh yeah like you watch you like wow this director actually watches movies i can tell he like steals little ideas from other directors and that's good yeah and then from, from like a story standpoint, I thought Insidious was pretty cool. It's kind of something that I hadn't really, you know, I, I don't think that area has been tread too much, but I don't know much about like, spoiler alert for Insidious, but like astral projection kind of. He's paving the way for Dr. Strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> astral, um, astral plane. That's the first time I've seen it in like a ghost 
haunting style movie where they've taken that angle. Yeah, yeah it was and, really cool. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, Patrick Wilson, as always, is awesome. Patrick Wilson was great. Insidious 2, I liked it even more. And they do... <clears throat> I know why people didn't like it. And I think it has a lot to do with Lee Wanell's character, like the two comedic people who are kind of... They, they just kind of... Uh, they, they were fairly... What's the word that I'm looking for? Subdued? Subdued. They were subdued in the first movie, and in the second movie... They, they were relegated to, like, the third act in the first movie. Yeah, and, and but even so, like, they're not, like, they're not over-the-top wacky. You're not... It's not like mm-hmm. a Laurel and Hardy routine. And then in Insidious 2, they kind of... There, it's There's more cheese to it, and it's especially with them, but even in some of the horror moments, it's it feels more cheesy, but... Overall, I think some of the, the mechanics and ideas that they introduced were really cool. Um, but but you definitely have to see Insidious 1 to understand what the heck's going absolutely. on. Absolutely. I, if I hadn't seen Insidious, I would not have appreciated Insidious 2 as much. Because there are some mechanics that come into play that kind of inform previous parts of, of the series, and, and it's cool. So This is not a sequel that Joss Whedon would like. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to. Speaking of that, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I watched. So uh, we're gonna get into our Star Wars discussion um, after about a half an hour here of talking about Pokemon and and uh, we only talked about that for two minutes. That's true. That's uh, true. We I could literally spend the rest <laughs> of time. Talking about Pokemon. Okay, let's let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's world's yeah. longest podcast. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we've known for a little while that Lawrence Kasdan and Simon Kinberg, who uh, wrote parts of the original Star Wars trilogy, I believe, right? Kinberg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote Kasdan wrote Empire, and then, I don't know if he wrote Jedi. I think I think Kinberg. I don't know. Anyway, we'll look it up. Um, so they're either like they're they're these off-year Star Wars movies that are going to come out in between the actual episodes that everybody's been wondering what are they going to do do with these. And um, recently there was a... Uh, the the chief the CFO of, of Disney kind of let it slip that uh, he, he referred to these movies as origin story movies and not as spin-offs as they've been referred to previously by Disney. So... We've got some big Star Wars fans here, in case you haven't noticed from previous episodes of the, the podcast. What do you guys think of, of Star Wars Origins? Like, the ones that they've been throwing out so far have been Yoda, Han Solo, and Boba Fett. Uh, but, Yoda, no. Han Solo, yeah. Boba Fett, no. Alright. <laughs> and that We're going to take a quick break. Today, no? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, Done. See, they're... They're, I think they're running a huge risk, which is ruining some of the magic of these characters. Uh, particularly if these are characters that are not going to really be integral to the to the coming trilogy. I don't like we. I don't really know what what role. Uh, obviously, Yoda's not going to be in it. Boba I wouldn't Fett. say obviously to that. <laughs> he deed. He disappeared. He was deed um, in Return of the Jedi. He's but he appeared after he died. Yes, he's ghost. No, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna do lol speak during this podcast. Um, I if you're if you're gonna do s- stories about characters, I think they need to be characters that are at least partially related to the trilogy that's going on. Because if you if you go and do a Han Solo movie, but really it's just a Harrison Ford cameo in in episodes seven, eight, and nine. Then it's, you're just retreading an area we really don't need to go. Yeah. Because Han Solo's origin is not going to play into anything that's coming. Yeah, from that's you kind in the future. Of, it's kind of weird. Like, it's this. It's total. It's total. Just fishing for yeah, fans are, fan moments here. I I if they have an interesting story to tell, then obviously that's different. But Han Solo's origin has been told. Um, Boba Fett's origin has been told. I don't think Yoda's origin has been told, but I, I think don't think anybody really cares. I think that's why well, he's got like 850 years to go yeah, over at that point. Anyway. Yeah, I just, I, you're, I, these, these are stories that the real fans already know. Um, and if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna cater to the not real fans, 
then make it something that's relevant. Boba Fett's not really relevant. Boba Fett's a bit character, let's be honest. Boba Fett is... He's so unimportant to the trilogy. Just... He's, he's yeah. He's he's not even a side character. He's a, he's a guy in a costume in the films. Uh, he doesn't need his own story. Um, Yoda, it better left unsaid, I think. And Han Solo, you can get away with Han Solo film. I would be I would be I, okay with like seeing as how we're probably not getting Star Wars fifteen fifteen, thirteen thirteen, which was <clears> going <throat> to probably be a Han Solo origin video game. Boba Fett actually. No, I think it was Han Solo was the plan. It was Bounty Hunter. Yeah, it was Boba Fett. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Alex was wrong. They said it was an original (laughs) Bounty Hunter, but it was, uh, then they were like, actually, after they canceled it, they were like, it was actually going to be Boba Fett, sorry. Okay. It was like a piece of concept. But you've talked about how the Han Solo book, there's more about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like. The Han Solo books are amazing. The fact that we're not going to get that stuff in the video game world, like, that's the weird thing about these new movies that are coming out because they're kind of like, hey, this expanded universe stuff is could kind of be thrown by the wayside and become non-canon because we're going to f- like eminent domain our yeah. way into making a new. Yeah, it's just let's let's just shine a giant spotlight on all this stuff that that has been part of the Star Wars. It's it's the expanded universe is it's not a integral part of the Star Wars experience, but for for real fans, it's it's this great base that's put on under the films. You know, it's like, yeah, and it just seems like they're ruining a lot of the the they're gonna they're just gonna ruin a lot of the extra attraction of the expanded universe by making it all not expanded universe, making it universe. Um, I I just yeah, what do you think, <clears throat> Willie? Well, just just coming from a, I mean, I, I love Star Wars, but I'm not like a, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself like a Star Wars fan. You know what I mean? I just don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable calling myself a Star Wars fan. Um, Does it make you feel awkward? No, I just don't feel like I've earned the right. You know? um, no, I just... I. My only thing when it comes to the Expanded Universe argument, and I totally get it because I know I know for a fact there's some great Expanded Universe Star Wars stories out there. The Thrawn Trilogy oh. and um, uh, so plenty of them. All the Kyle yeah. Katarn stuff, whatever. Um the fact that that will technically be going out the window when they create this new trilogy, or it has the potential to be gone out the window. Yeah. My only argument against that is that, in all honesty, I think most of the expanded there's so much expanded universe Star Wars stuff out there that all contradicts each other anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> as a Star Wars fan, you really have, to have for years have been having to pick and choose what you want to be part of your personal canon anyway. So it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't. That's like, true. If you don't like these movies and what they do, it's not part of your Star Wars. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Episode two is not part of your. It's Star not Wars. part of my Star Wars. And that's and that's <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the beauty of this of this franchise is that I don't believe it. Yeah. They might they might, they might put out crap, but there's so much other stuff out there that takes the place of that that you can just ignore it. Like, who cares? I don't. I think that when it comes to the solo movies, particularly like the origin stories, I I have to agree. I think Han Solo would probably be an interesting. They could make an interesting Han Solo movie. I don't know if I want to see an origin story of Han Solo. I would like to see maybe a story that features a younger Han Solo, but it has to be a good story that you're building around the Han Solo character. Yeah, that, don't just shoot. Don't just don't just be like we have to make Solo a Han Solo movie. movie. Wait yeah. until a story naturally comes to you that happens to be a natural story <laughs> for a Han Solo character. Yeah, um, Yoda. There, we talked about this on the podcast before. There are certain characters that work better because they are the part of a group of characters. Yeah. Yoda as the solo protagonist, I have no interest in seeing no. whatsoever. I love Yoda; he's a great character in the Star it's, Wars trilogy. It, how I about, don't. Yeah. How about we make a Mamada Don movie? I mean, it's, he, yeah. Yoda is not. He's not a. He's not a leading yeah. character. He's not a leading man. No, he's it's, not. And, and Boba Fett, honestly, Boba Fett's any bit of interest I had in Boba Fett was gone as soon as they started to try and shed light on on who he was. Yeah. So why would I want them to shed more light on who he was? Yeah. If this is just a badass Boba Fett story of him like collecting like the ultimate like the greatest bounty in the history of Boba Fett's career that he's taking on. If it's yeah. I'm down. That would be I will watch that movie. What if what if the movie started with him crawling out of the Sarlacc pit? Okay, that'd be kinda cool. (laughs) (laughs) See the 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 problem with making a Boba Fett movie is that so much of his so much of his appeal is tied up in his mystique. It's the mystique, yeah. Um, so you got to be, you got to have a, you got to have a damn good origin story if yeah. you're going to make 
a Boba Fett film. What if that Jango Fett clone that they <clears> tried <throat> to pawn off as Boba Fett in episode two? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if in the first five minutes, I believe we've had a conversation like this. No, before, yeah, I, like I, he gets killed yeah, by I've, the real Boba Fett. I've uh, I've deduced my own way in which the episode two Boba Fett could be canon, <laughs> in which the action, like the Boba Fett we know and love from the from the original trilogy, is actually just some other guy, and Boba Fett's this young hotshot like, bounty hunter like, who comes to kill him, but <laughs> real Boba Fett kills him and assumes his mantle. Boba yeah. Fett's the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, Nick. What do you think about Star Wars origin movies? Uh, you guys have pretty much covered it, I think. What What would make you watch one of these? Who Who would it be about? Who would well, come I, I, to the table? I think we'd watch any Pro- of them. We're probably really. gonna watch them anyway because yeah. we suck. But <laughs> the uh, we're tools. Of the you know, machine. I'm not I'm not particularly interested in any origins. I I would love to see like when they when they first Grand Marf Tarkin or Tarkin <laughs> origins that. movie. Peter Young, Peter Cushing, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> When they re- when they had the rumor that Zack Snyder was going to direct a Seven Samurai inspired this Jedi is exactly story. what I was going to say. So I was hundred percent in, hundred yeah. percent. I was like, yes, here's my ten dollars right now. <laughs> Kickstarter, here it is. <laughs> like, get it going because that was a great idea. Take a visually exceptional director, throw an original story that takes place within the Star Wars universe, down featuring totally. lightsabers, totally oh, yeah. down. Because the Star Wars universe is human. It's a universe, for Christ's sake. There's so much to explore. There's so many species. And oh, my God. When they released concept art for something, and it just showed, like, a seedy, like, steamy-looking, like, Minority Report crossed with Blade Runner-type Star Wars world, and it was just aliens on the street, like, doing whatever. I was like, down. Give me that movie. Like, give me some original characters. Because I think the other problem is the... I mean, Star Wars created the blockbuster movie franchise. It created movie blockbuster movie trilogy it created all that and those characters are so iconic that if you are going to make another han solo story you know how can you that's harrison ford's character yeah how can anybody but mark hamill play luke skywalker how can anybody but carrie fisher play princess leia these characters are so intrinsically tied to who played them because they're so iconic it's like having another rocky but it's not stallone that it seems so futile to me because if you're going to make a young Han Solo movie and you're going to make him as a kid, you got to cast somebody that looks like Harrison Ford. You just have to. That's 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 something that's kind of unique to films too because you're not going to have that with a comic book property because the character is based in is based on on the page. Where when the characters originated on film, then you have you have a set. There's an established. You know, yeah, the person is not looks like this. That is the person. You should that say this to everybody who was pissed that Keanu Reeves got cast as Constantine and it wasn't Sting. <laughs> All you Constantine fans out there, are you hearing this? Constantine, uh, Hellblazer fans that are not Constantine Oh, Hellblazer. Fans. Not thing, to be confused with Hellblazer, is, they got the pins in his face. Yeah. That's why uh, written like like novels are the ideal format for Expanded Universe, because on the cover... Yeah. Oh look, it's Harrison Ford plus plus twenty years. Like when it was yeah. written, it was easy to keep that likeness. And you were reading the story, going, "Okay, I know what Han Solo looks like." And as long as you write like that character, then sure. it fits. Yeah. So I think the only way I would really be down to see an origin. I mean, I've read the Han Solo trilogy like a dozen times. It's really good, and it's ripe for cinematic adaptation. Like it's written, it's three books written as three movies, and honestly, it would be a perfect adaptation of screen. But I'm not sure I ever want to see it. Because it's so good in written form. So, I'm getting off track. I mean, I'll, I'll go off on a Han Solo tangent just because he's my, he's my favorite. <laughs> but I'm trying not to do that. But yeah, like, your your idea for Boba Fett is so cool. Because I, I knew, when I was a kid, I knew the backstory of Boba Fett. I knew he was from another system. Mm-hmm. who And he was he was a hunted man. So he came over to this one, or, well, the Star Wars one, and started a whole new identity. Like, that was cool. That was a badass origin fitting of that character who had this cool mystique. And they make him into a punk ass whelp who catches yeah. his dad's head. He, yeah, he got his dad. He's got his dad's armor. He's like, I'm gonna bounty hunt. I am destined Stop to be bounty hunt. Yeah, it's just it, it's hard to have a talk about Star Wars without just well, because because just just, he, yeah. d- just absolutely devolving into, into motion. pure yeah, yeah, yeah. nerd drivel. Oh. I have nothing constructive to say about this other than that I love the Zach nerd drivel is a good title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it is. Because it's just the Star Wars, or you know, and I'm I'm down if it's if it's a character that I think is is interesting. If the director choice is good, I think 
they just need to, you know, Lucas selling it and Disney buying it and Kathleen Kennedy stepping up to the plate. All of that I thought was great signs. I was like, there's going to be forward progress with the Star Wars universe. They're going to stake out and go out into bold, you know, new territory with this whole franchise. And now it feels like kind of a step back for me to be like, well, yeah, because Origins. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're getting away from. You got it away from Lucas, who had dragged it into the mud, and then, yeah, you've got this bright new future ahead, and then it's like, hey, let's look back at the characters we did 60 years, 30 years ago. That's 60 years ago. I think a lot of it is the Star Wars is no longer for us. Yeah. They're not making Star Wars movies for you and me anymore. They're making Star Wars movies for those people that were eagerly awaiting Clone Wars on Cartoon Network every week when it was coming out, and... There's gotta be a way to, to do both. I mean... I well, mean, and, if they, if they do crowd, it, then that's how they succeed extremely well. What does that crowd do about What do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, the clone, people who waited for Clone Wars? Like... It's a younger generation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, the, the, there's, it's, there's it's the same, this, it's the same the thing. It's the same yeah. thing that people, like, original Star Wars fans said when the prequels came out. They're like, these aren't Star Wars movies for me. These are Star Wars movies for the kids that I showed the Star Wars movies to. My little brother likes the prequels because he grew up watching the prequels. There are people, who think, yeah, there are people who think Obi-Wan is Ewan McGregor. And that blows my mind. I mean, not that nothing against Ewan McGregor, but it's Alec Guinness. That's fine. Like, that's all well and good if they want to make new Star Wars movies. But I think they should make new Star Wars movies. Like, that's 100% acceptable for, in my mind. You don't have to make Star Wars movies for me and for my crowd. We've got them. So don't make origin stories for the characters we already know. Like, yeah. who gives a shit? Or don't make sequels dealing with the characters. That, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, is that these kids don't know any of that expanded universe. Well, do they even know... I mean, how many they of them They might really, not know what a book is. How many of them really know know that much about the original, original trilogy? I. It's kind of scary to say, as somebody who is, you know absorbed himself and everything Star Wars for half his life, but, I mean, how many kids, to them, Star Wars is Anakin. 1, 2, 3, and Clone Wars, yeah. Uh, and then the, the rest is just these old movies. The thing that's interesting is Clone Wars is really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I've, I've watched a fair amount of it, and it's actually, that's why when you said the people who like, who are watching Clone Wars, I'm like, that's us. Like, no, no, no. I, adults that watch it. I, I mean, it's, I'm not <clears> saying that it was bad, I'm not saying that there aren't adults who watch it, I'm not saying that there aren't people who like the original movies and don't like the new ones that don't like the Clone Wars, but it's it, just... It's made for a different group of people. It's made right? for these kids who yeah. are going to buy toys. It's not... Yeah, true. You know. I, I, I think even in that case, going back to these old original trilogy characters doesn't make sense. I think if you're going to... I think if you're going to make or any origin film... I, I would I'd be against it, particularly if it's original characters. But if you're going to do it, make it for characters that we're going to be seeing more of in the upcoming trilogy, which we don't know any of those yet. Yeah. So unless it's the big three coming back, <gasps> bust out the walkers, I guess. Man, they're going to be gonna be shuffling across the universe. But we know two of those origins, kind of. I no, still want so. just give me my Ian Glenn Obi Wan middle age. That would that would movie. be. Give me the... Of course, then he's on Tatooine the whole time. No, he took off for 20 years and was just doing awesome shit. And then came back and was like, oh, yeah. Just that, got is home. That, is that kid still there? Yeah. yeah I better go check that on kid, him. That kid I was supposed to watch. <laughs> yeah. That was the actual noise. That's the end of the movie before, before the credits are all. It's just... It, all this awesome stuff just happened and then the character devolves into... <laughs> <laughs> but see, it ties into the... Yeah. So it's cool. It's canon. All right. Okay. Have we gone far enough off the tracks? We talked it's about, so relatively we talked about Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of momentum behind me. I could just keep going. <laughs> I mean... Just, have they officially said which characters they're considering? No. Just, no. It's just rumor no. of, of Boba. This is all rumor, Mill. If they did a Rogue Squadron movie... There's a chance none of these are origins. They should just make Shadows of the Empire... Yes. Animated, yes. Animated Shadows of the Empire. D-Age, everybody, Chris Evans, or, or uh, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart style. I, I would do it Clone Wars style. Could. That would be that would be sick. Absolutely. Claymation? Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> even, <Harry> better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just give it to the robot chicken guys. They oh can do it yeah. with the action figures. The lowest common denominator. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I have, I have uh, the Prince Cheezer figure. I got Dash Rendar. I don't have... 
Bushlea, so you know I can't do it. But. <laughs> do you have a uh, flat top chewy? Yes. <laughs> okay. Me and my brother chewy. both do, so we have backup. We'll have three we flat have top doubles. chewy. <laughs> stunt double figgy chewy figure. Uh, uh, okay. Well, nerd drivel. So if you're still listening to the podcast, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for being a. a just email me your mailing address and I'll send you back your money. <laughs> send you back your dollar. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with some feedback from our <laughs> And we're back. Time for some feedback. Which you can send to feedback at midwestfilmers.com. Let us know how horrible this episode has been thus far. Is it a and, one or uh, a two on a ten scale? Yes, and tell us to go die and not make any more podcasts. Go die. <laughs> These questions come to us from Tim Long. Yes, exactly, Nick. That's exactly what those people are doing right now. All right. Number one, I happen to think that Hugh Jackman's performance in The Fountain is one of the most underrated performances of all time. What do you three sexy gentlemen, four sexy gentlemen actually, believe is the most underrated performances in the movies? First of all, which three of us are the sexy ones? Because he said three, and I'm not having to that. Second of all, I don't think, I he, knew, I don't think he knew Gojo was present when he said yeah. that. Because no, but he would he, have said three his, sexy men his actual sexy lord-like figure of the stage. So the, the actual question is, what do you three sexy gentlemen believe to be the most underrated performances in the movies? That's the with <laughs> T-H-A. Standard Midwest spelling. Um, that's a good question. What are the most underrated performances in movies? Um, man, I gotta go with Langella on Masters, man. I, we've talked about Langella before, and I know that sounds silly, but I... I, he is a he has a really really good villain performance. Like he, it's he highly the, rated in my book. <laughs> well, I know, but I, I don't think people talk about him. You know what I mean? Like no. he does a really good job with that role. Like he has a lot of fun, and he he just gets it. He totally gets what he's On doing. On that same note, I would have to say John Leguizamo in Spawn. I'm John Leguizamo in. I'm never seen. you say the past. I'm like, damn it, Alex, <laughs> the past again. I threw I threw you a loop for a loop a little bit. Yeah, you threw me off there. What a All twist. right, any other underrated people's? Uh, see, I, um, and no, I guess I, I, I'm not as encyclopedically versed in film as you guys are. Yeah. So, um, underrated is a hard, a hard way to, to, cause some, you know, there's always some recognition generally out there, but I, it just made me think of, uh, Alex, you came over a couple weeks ago for some hangout or for or something. And I remember I was watching gladiator and I stopped and watched three times in a row one scene with Oliver Reed because he is yeah. so balls deep in that movie that it's outrageous. <laughs> he's really good. He's so good and like the the amount of nuance in his face and his voice and everything he does is absolutely incredible and it's I think it's part of that theatrical old school generation of acting but I, I'm hard pressed these days to find roles like that and I'm not saying that's that's bad because uh, you know like I can go watch 21 Jump Street and watch Channing Tatum and have a great time and be like he's really funny in this movie he's really good for this role and he entertains me but there are times where you see those people that remind you of like what intense acting is like and I'm not saying it's something you should watch all the time because that makes you suck because then you can't just sit back and watch like Matthew Broderick and Ferris Bueller and have a good time but it's cool to see roles like that like next time if anybody listening watches Gladiator anytime soon there's the scene between Maximus and uh, Proximo up in his room where they basically lay out the rest of the movie in that one scene, like what they're going to do. They're going to go to Rome. And every line that he has in that scene and every facial expression he makes, every little tick is just absolutely meticulously crafted by that guy. And it's just so cool to watch. And I think that that's one performance of a supporting character that I'm always really, really... Uh, Every time I see it, it like genuinely stirs me, and I'm like, man, that guy is just that's a that's an artist at the top of his game, and it's sad because he died like before the movie was wrapped. So yeah, he, uh, yeah, that was a great, great, great performance, and there's a million more. I'm sure I'm not even thinking of those those people um, that we routinely are always like, yeah, man, <laughs> uh, Pertwee in Dog Soldiers is killer, yeah, or uh, James Earl Jones in The Sandlot. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, yes, that's exactly that. <laughs> He, it's the same thing. He doesn't waste a breath in that movie. Oh my it's god! So, so goofy. It's yeah. It's it's such such an odd cameo, but he just he 
he totally devotes himself to that to that blind man. That's a and perfect example. Why didn't I think of that? I say that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, but well it's, done. Yeah. A, just a surprisingly masterful performance in that in that brief moment by Mr. Earl Jones. This would actually be a great uh, subject for a future episode. It's just like great bit roles by by actors that really like steal the show or stare, that leave an imprint on you. But anyway, for another day. Um, what about you, Alex? Is there one besides Leguizamo? <laughs> I can't really <laughs> think of anybody in particular. Keanu um, Reeves and Constantine. Jolly yeah, Keanu Gustavo Reeves in any movie that Keanu Reeves is in. No, even, I don't even know. movies he's not in. It makes Actually, me think yeah. of like a lot of character actors who are really like uh, not appreciated for what they do. Like nobody, McDonald. Nobody oh, knows yes. who. Yes. <laughs> All day. <laughs> nobody knows who Clifton Collins Jr. is, but any time that you see him, he always puts on a pretty good yeah, show, just, no matter. Yeah, what he was he does. great in Pacific Rim. Yeah. So I know one that you and I really are into is uh, Bridges and Tron Legacy. Yeah. Like, nobody was like, wow, he did a great job in that movie. They were always like, eh, they either I was like, oh, he was a hippie. It was funny. He played two characters and fleshed them both out yeah. equally yeah. and uh, convincingly. But the CG was bad. <laughs> yeah, his mouth looks weird. Anyway. Um, question number two. Favorite Will Smith song for a soundtrack? Wild Wild West, Men in Black, or Nod Your Head, Black Suits Coming? Which one is the latter? Nod your head. Nod your head is from Men in Black 2. Men in Black 2. Mm, I'm not familiar. Nod somebody your head. Black suits coming. I don't know if I've ever seen it's Men in Black 2. It's not the best. Not the best, yeah. Just know this. Okay, alright, so. Men in Black all day. Men in Black. Yeah. Men in Black. That's just a good song. I do have a soft spot for Wild Wild West because Cisco's on it, but I'm going to go with Men in Black. <laughs> hey, can we replace the Nod your head with just the two of us? Which he sung to Jaden Smith? It wasn't a movie song. Oh, well, fuck that. true. I'm gonna make a movie. It's gonna that's gonna be the official theme. You will not make any movies involving Jaden Smith in any form. (laughs) All right. Question number three. Other than Prince, who is your favorite musician turned actor and why? Other than Prince, he immediately removes that. Well, Nick's is probably Bowie. Um, Oh yeah, Bowie. Absolutely. I could almost count Nick Cave because he was in. uh, Oh Christ! Why am I blanking on the name? The Vin Vendors movie. Well, he was in assassination so James, too. He was, briefly. Who's, but, no, why Bowie, Bowie though? Uh, probably because he does it so well. He actually is a pretty good actor. But I think it's it stems from how theatrical his, his music is in nature. But I just, I love his music. Um, <clears throat> the guy can do pretty much anything, but he's a pretty good actor. Has anyone ever seen The Man Who Fell to Earth? No. Nope. Oh, man. It's a pretty interesting movie. But... The extent of my Bowie uh, movie. Zoolander? <laughs> no, I forgot about that one, but that's amazing. I and he's was great say, in that scene. He I was going to say the con- prestige, actually. But yeah, yeah. he—I mean—he has on-screen presence. He could actually yeah. have a career as an actor if he—if he wanted to. If he wanted to pursue it. Um. Oh, who did I have? Donnie. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. Why? Because <laughs> uh, he was great in The Sixth Sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Really. He lost either, a lot of weight for that role. Yeah, either him or Will Smith. Maybe not my favorite, but uh, one that always surprised me was Dwight Yoakam, actually. Yeah, yeah. He was really, really that good in Panic Room, one. and he's in a couple other movies that are just, like, he's really funny in, like, the beginning of Wedding Crashers. Like, he's, I don't know. He's, he always pops up, and I'm like, hey, you used to be, like, you were a singer, and now you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I, like I think of him in Panic Room a lot when I read, uh, like, comics or books that have, like, really psychopathic characters. Yeah, he's a, supposed he, to be yeah. kind of ugly. I, for some reason, I always think of Dwight Yoakam in Panic Room. I was Room. always impressed with him. And I like Luda, too. I like Luda Chris a lot. LL? Mm-hmm. LL and Deep Blue? Yeah, Wait, didn't enough. Tyrese have a rap career? I think it was post modeling slash acting, though. Oh. Well, shit. Are there any other famous like actors that wasn't wasn't Mark Wahlberg? He was from Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Mark. Okay, but he's nobody's he's, favorite. He's still not above Donnie, but I mean, he's up there. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg in uh, in. The I'll bet there's some actors that had like a middling or not not successful uh, music career, but yeah, like John Leguizamo. Well, we know Alex is gonna say JT. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I actually wasn't thinking. I know that's why I was reminding you. That's why I was reminding you. Thank you. Yeah. Unless did Barry Gibb act in anything? Did he turn actor at any point? (laughs) Only uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That's true. Starring the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton as Sergeant Pepper and the Lonely Hearts Club. But does that outweigh JT? That one. That one performance. I mean, that's the thing is that there's nothing that I particularly. He, I think he was fantastic as Sean Parker in in the Social Network, which is awesome. But like, I didn't love In Time. I haven't I haven't really seen a movie where I'm like JT really needs to be acting like you need to watch is, Alpha Dog. 
I should, yeah, I really should watch Alpha Dog. Um, personally, I was thinking it's not because of any sort of skill, but uh, <clears throat> I've always loved um, I've always loved the fact that Flea is needles in uh, Back to the Future <laughs> two and three, which is just amazing. And on that note, both of both him and Anthony Kiedis in Point Break has always been one of my favorite little like. Flea is also in the Gus Van Sant version of Psycho, and he's also in the Big Lebowski. Whoa. So there you go. I'd say that's uh, it's legit, and yeah, he's pretty good. True, and all that stuff. And um, as anybody in like, Gus Van Sant Psycho could. Be. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that that sums up my stuff. Question four. This is for all of you. When is Alex going to watch Rocky movies with me? Which um, Alex? You? Yeah, uh, well, I have the I have the the ultimate collection of Rocky movies on Blu-ray. So. From 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 you, yeah. Actually, um, Alex, if if you if you watch and take a guided journey through the Rocky universe with all of us, it will be like the Fast and Furious experience that we had. This I summer. think it, I think it will be actually. It'll be akin to that. I don't know if it'll be quite as intense because there is a certain. I don't know. That, that's another one where... You, I don't think you, that's you, ever going to happen because I just wasn't expecting <clears> it with Fast and Furious. Well, you kind of... I wasn't expecting to care about that at all. Like, Rocky, I'm like, I know people actually appreciate these movies, so... Well, and you kind of sort of... I think... I, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like Rocky might be one where you kind of have to grow up with it at least a little bit. Yeah. But we'll see. I think... It'll we'll, be an we'll interesting do this soon, Tim. Have you never seen soon, any of the Rockies? Or? I have not seen a single Rocky okay. movie. I've seen th- a little bit of Rocky Balboa see, and a little bit of any clips that Willie's ever seen, played. I've seen... I've seen... Parts of each one, maybe once. Old, old school. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm almost as as poorly versed in the Rocky universe as you. So are. It could be you have so, Tim. You have two Alex. The Rocky you could watch the Rocky yeah. series with. So the answer is soon. Can can we just make it officially on this podcast called the Rocky verse? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Because I want to I want to coin a phrase. All right. Um, <laughs> two minutes here. I love Streets of Fire. What is a movie that you love and have introduced to other people? Tim, we know you love Streets of Fire. Okay? I know, because I've watched it with you, kind of. And it's really scary to watch it with you, because you love it so much. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I've introduced that. Kung I think I, I think I introduced Nick to Dog Soldiers. Was Did I introduce you to Dog Soldiers? The first time I watched it, I don't think we watched it together. Okay. I thought we did. I don't know. You really got me. You really got me going on on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think on 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 Rocky definitely. Yeah, actually, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm evidence that you don't have to grow up with Rocky. That's true. That's true. Um, I have this weird tendency to like hype people. Yeah, you no, can do hyped. a good job of it. Hypes people like nobody's business. Um, I introduced uh, Gojo just recently to Aliens. He'd yes. seen Alien, but he'd not seen Aliens. I, yeah. This is true, and I was I enjoyed it. That's what I've been watching. If we can go back to the what you've been watching segment. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Full circle podcast. Well, well, um, how, does, how was this question phrase? What's a movie you love and love introducing others to? What's a movie you love and have introduced others to? Oh, Ravenous. Ooh, Ravenous. Um, yeah, that's Ravenous definitely yours. Mystery Science yours. Theater uh, episode, The Final Sacrifice. Yep. Oh. Showed that to a good 50 people. I'm one of them. And uh, The Room, which mm. um, it less less good... Um, but uh, <laughs> is it though? <laughs> Honestly, the final sacrifice without the mystery science theater comedy or c- commentary is a better film than the room. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, almost solely because of the performance of Christian Zaporowski Malcolm. I think he's no. That is that Bruce J. Mitchell. I don't know. They got it. They got the characters' names wrong <laughs> in the credits. <laughs> Like, they credited, like, the two main characters, they switched their names in the official film credits. <laughs> so it's I so can never good. remember who's who. Failure. But yeah, uh, and Kung Pao Enter the Fist, which was my favorite movie coming out of high school, and I haven't watched it since, but it was so good. It was one of those movies where I literally would be in, in convulsive pains on the floor multiple times during the film. That's weird you say that, because so I was actually thinking of that earlier today at work. I was thinking of how you had the little mini tape recorder and you record <laughs> yes. lines from the movie on that just to play at school and laugh at it. Like, remember how yeah. funny this part is in the movie? Yeah, and I would play it to people who hadn't seen the movie and be like, ha, ha, I've actually I would be, uh, yeah, rolling on my desk. I've actually shown Memento to a lot of people. There are a lot of people that had never seen that and never even heard of it and I was like, oh, this is my favorite movie. You guys have to watch it and uh, I've introduced a lot of people to that, most of whom rather enjoyed it. That's I... one that I take personal pride in. 
I know there's other ones, but I feel like the only movie that I've re- I, I've introduced a lot of, I introduced a lot of people to Five Hundred Days of Summer and definitely maybe you've probably done the same with definitely maybe yeah at some point yeah no that that's one of those ones where I get lucky enough where people haven't seen it and then I'm like yes we're watching it yep yeah <laughs> so. I love watching movies with somebody for the first time and like trying to gauge their reaction yeah and that annoying guy who's on the couch and I'm like glancing over here yeah. you like isn't this funny doing yeah. it yeah waiting for the for the moment mm-hmm. and they're always like dude. I, th- I think a highlight for me, I love I love doing this, and I think a highlight for me was introducing, you knew about it, but watching Blade Runner with you for the first time. Oh, yeah. You were so into it, and I was like, I was thank totally God. into it. Thank God. That was awesome. Was it. Yeah. that was very awesome. I'd have to do that with me. Yeah. I I saw it on the Sci-Fi channel for like, it, Not it was, yeah. no, it was commercials every, every five minutes, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm going yeah. to sleep. I'm telling you, man, yeah. one day we'll watch it, and then that Halloween, Deckard, Batty, it'll oh. happen. I was going to be Daryl Hannah. <laughs> Alright, question number five Tim was nice enough to give us the answer to this one ahead of time Who is better than the Coen Brothers? Nobody <laughs> And question six What is your favorite flavor of Shaq Soda? Has anybody else had Shaq Soda besides Nick and I? Not yet Do we know what the fla- Does anybody know what the flavors are? Off the top the of strawberry, heads? orange, blueberry, and vanilla I've only had vanilla and I liked it I would probably I'm gonna take a precognitive guess And say probably strawberry Because that is my favorite fruit And I don't like vanilla as a fruit <laughs> and what are the other ones? Strawberry, blueberry, blueberry vanilla, and orange. Orange. Yeah, no, it's probably gonna be strawberry. Yeah. I, I had the orange and the strawberry. I liked both of them. I think I might lean a little bit towards the orange. I like the orange a lot. Yeah. Is there one that if actually a, tastes like Shaq's sweat? If there was a all of them do. Oh, good. If there was like, a, there's like different the, body that's parts the first of sweat. Ingredients. <laughs> if there was a grape, it would be my favorite. Yeah, me too. Which why is? Uh, I'm not even gonna go there. Not gonna go there. Not gonna go there. All right, this has been the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. <laughs> it. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know how many times we should die and which ways we should do it. Um, and what your thoughts are on the Pokemon animated series first season. Because <laughs> I know I'm not the only brother out there who loves that show. How many episodes are in the first season? Like like 50, 50 or 60. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, It is a three-box set that I, I bought at different times from Best Buy with four discs each. It's amazing. There's so much good programming on, on, on those discs. You good. don't even know. We're going to marathon it one day. <laughs> All right. We'll do that. Like, like two Ball days. Z It'll be like two time. days. Oh, my God. Just Japan overload. Uh, thanks to Aunt Mr. John on Twitter for our music and our artwork. Uh, find us at MFN Podcast on Twitter, also on Instagram. We're also on Vine, too. Haven't done a whole lot with those, so don't bother doing that. This is a great episode, guys. It's <laughs> the best. Maybe You know what would make it better is if... You linked on the on the show notes to a clip of Butterfree flying off in the distance and Ash crying and waving goodbye. <laughs> if I remember to do it tomorrow, then I will. <laughs> oh my god! You are audience at home. You are going to be in tears, <laughs> not like laugh tears, but like cry tears. Uh, oh my god! What's happening? All right, um, I ruined this podcast. Kyle X Y, go watch the movie. <laughs>